This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, Black Lives Matter again appears to have been exposed as a charlatan organisation after it emerged that its co-founder, Patrice Cullors, used charity funds to pay her family and friends obscene sums of money. So recent tax filings show that Cullors' brother was given the equivalent of £680,000 for providing security services. And the father of her child earned the equivalent of £785,000, forget this, helping to produce live events and other creative services. This is just the latest scandal in a long list of dubious financial dealings by BLM. However, until recently, anyone who raised concerns about the integrity of the foundation was castigated, silenced and often accused of being racist. Well, not to be intimidated by the woke mob, Zuby has been calling out BLM's seemingly sleazy affairs from the very start. And I'm delighted to say he joins me in the studio now. So, Zuby, I guess you feel a little bit vindicated by the release of these truly shocking financial statements this week. Yeah, I mean, it's appalling. Being, I mean, this organization has raised hundreds of millions of dollars over the years. Just in 2021, they received over $90 million in donations. With that, they've bought at least four multi-million dollar properties, including two mansions to the tune of over $6 million each, They've invested over $32 million in stocks. They are currently holding about $42 million worth of assets. As you've said, hundreds of thousands and millions have been millions have been given to family members, brothers, cousins, and so on. And that's just scratching the surface. And you have to remember, this is money that was raised off of people's goodwill. Mm-hmm. People who thought that they were donating to help fight against racism, help fight against police brutality, and so on. So to raise money supposedly for a good cause and then to turn around and use that for your own, you know, by, by, your own by, yeah, flying around on private jets and buying mansions is, it's atrocious. Well, especially, by the way, seeing that Black Lives Matter as an organization made out that they were anti capitalist. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of their pitch. We don't believe in the capitalist system. Well, Colours certainly seems to, given she wants to stay at posh Bahamas resorts next to Justin Timberlake. I mean, that's the height of capitalism for me. So was all of the anti-capitalist stuff just a lie too? Well, it was always a sham. I mean, they posted a video recently of them quaffing champagne at the mansion and talking about this all. And we've seen this with Marxism and communism in the past, mm-hmm. right? It's communism for everyone else. And it's the best, greatest form of capitalism and wealth for the people who are at the very top of the pyramid. You've seen this under every every communist country that's run. If you look at the dictators and how much wealth that they accumulated and what they did with it, whether you are looking at the Soviet Union or you're looking at China or you're looking at Romania or any other former or current Soviet country, uh, sorry, communist country, you, you see where that money goes. So the entire thing has been a disingenuous sham. And to the fact that this was raised off of capitalizing off tragedy and off of other people's goodwill is what makes it so frustrating. Well, of course, because we have to remember, Zuby, that the vast bulk of this money, I imagine, was raised in the immediate aftermath of the death of George Floyd. Because, of course, this had been an organization that was around 
For a while, it had been struggling to get a foothold in the mainstream media, and that tragedy took place. And they seem to exploit that tragedy. They did, and they've exploited many tragedies in the past. I think what happened in 2020 is this is the one that really reached people all around the globe. In the USA, this organization has been popping up every couple of years when certain tragic events have happened, and they've used that to raise lots of money. A lot of the money also goes to the Democratic Party. I don't know if everyone knows that. It's a slush fund, essentially, for progressive candidates in the Democratic Party who push for nonsense concepts such as abolishing the police and de- dismantling the nuclear family. Critical so the, race there. the entire thing is a scam from top to bottom. It's just got a good name. It's got a semantically overloaded name. So if you question or criticize Black Lives Matter, people can jump on you and accuse you of being racist or of being a terrible person. If this organization had any other name, it would be very easy for people to see through it for what it is. So what does this tell us, Zubi? Do, do, do we need to all be much more careful before we donate to a good cause? Because we've seen the same thing happen, for example, with the Ukraine war or climate change or whatever the current issue happens to be. How can we trust that our money is going to an organisation that is actually fit for purpose? It's a great question. I, I think people need to firstly calm their emotions. I mean, if you go back to that time in 2020, May, June 2020, that was the height of emotionality. People and it was hysteria. Freaking, it was hysteria. People were freaking out about the COVID situation. People were then freaking out about, you know, the, about racism. You saw people toppling statues and burning down cities and going, going crazy, not just in the USA, but all over the world. So people need to calm their emotions and think rationally and do some investigation, do some research before just clicking on a link and donating to an organization, see what see what they're about. Go on their website. If you went on the Black Lives Matter official website, you would see on there that their goals were to dismantle capitalism, yeah. disrupt the nuclear family, abolish the police, get rid of the entire police force, and other other nonsense, right? Well, no, and, and, and Zubi, I always did. Mm. But the, the problem was folk like me or Nigel Farage, who... Or myself. Or you, <laughs> uh, who said... Look, Mm. we, of course, are against racism like anyone should be against Mm -hmm. racism. And let's let the criminal process play out with George Floyd. But this organisation, the Black Lives Matter organisation, is so wrong on so many levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were literally being cancelled as a result of that. I mean, luckily, I was working for a broadcaster at the time that did support freedom of speech. Mm. But Nigel Farage who was working for a broadcaster that didn't support freedom of speech, literally lost his show. Obviously, DB yes. News wasn't around at the mm-hmm. time. There are couples who broke up over, over this. <laughs> One person supporting BLM and the, the other not. There are mm. people who lost their jobs over this. Uh, Nick Buckley in Manchester yes. was running a, a charity up there. He got yes. pushed out of... We're going to have them on about this on oh, Monday fantastic. night, actually. Yeah, they, this, thing, this thing affected and hurt a lot of people. And also, in the protests and riots that happened in the USA... During that summer, over two dozen people were killed. So you have to remember, this started from the death of one person, and then it led to 20-something more deaths in the aftermath. And people just glossed over that like it was, it was okay because people are angry at racism. And if you care about black lives, how are you going to go into black neighborhoods and destroy property, burn and loot businesses, and kill people? But what I think shocking. is particularly appalling with BLM and, and this particular case is the way that they weaponize the use of the term racist. Mm-hmm. Because 
one of the journalists who exposed all of these dodgy financial dealings for New York magazine was accused of the organisation of racism. Thankfully for him, he was black. So Mm. he was able to say, you're completely crazy. But the point is, what if he wasn't? Yeah. And, you know, I don't... It's it, this weaponization of terms like racism. You see the same with sexism and transphobia, yeah. and homophobia, and so on. White supremacy, even these these labels are thrown around with so much reckless abandon, and it dilutes them. I call it label it inflation. It's uh, and it's not a good thing for anybody. Zuby, so good to have you in the studio tonight. Really appreciate it. Zuby, of course, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Thank you so much. Of course, both sides of the story here on GB News and BLM say, despite assertions otherwise, an independent audit has revealed the Black Lives Matter's finances are strong, the organisation is financially sound and its leaders have been good stewards of the people's donations. The organisation adds that it recognises there is more work to do to increase transparency and has launched a new online transparency and accountability centre where its financial documents are available for public scrutiny. J.K. Rowling has defended a girl reportedly hounded out of school for questioning trans ideology. The Times reported this week that an unnamed sixth former quit school after being spat and screamed at by a mob of pupils simply because she had challenged a visiting speaker who doubted biology's significance when defining women. This worrying incident comes hot on the heels of several of our politicians being unable to say women can't have a penis and the raging debate around trans women in sport. Now, Sharon Davies, your brave efforts to protect women's sport have seen you suffer hideous, absolutely hideous abuse. But when this enters into schools, this is a real battle now, isn't it, to maintain not just sanity, but also science. Yeah, it's the science side of it that really worries me. You know, we, we should be teaching in school facts and, and, as you say, science. And biology is one of those sciences. Sex is immutable. There are only two sexes, a male and a female. One produces a large gamete, one produces a small gamete. We need one of each to reproduce, and that is the truth. <laughs> And the fact that, you know, the story that you mentioned then has so many things that are wrong with it. One, that a whole school of girls believes that that's not the case. Another one is that someone was invited into the school to to tell them that sex doesn't exist. And the worst one is the fact that, you know, free speech is allowed in this country. And for a sixth former who just wanted to debate this subject, she was hounded by 60 other kids um, you know, other teenagers, because I presume most of them were sixth formers as well, and spat at and bullied out of her school for having her opinion, which legally she's totally entitled to. Um, That's really worrying, you know, that that was allowed to happen in a school in, in Great Britain. Well, exactly, because what message, Sharon, does that send to every other young woman at school? We know what the message is. Zip it. Don't say a thing. Stay quiet. Don't like tweets from Sharon Davies. Don't retweet J.K. Rowling, because if you do, we're going to come for you. And it's chilling. Yeah, I think it's really chilling for them, you know, for the young girls, to be honest with you. You know, we've had a massive increase in... Uh, transgender, gender dysphoria in young girls, a 4,000% increase, which is just phenomenal. Now, that isn't 
people that have gender dysphoria. That is a form of gender contagion that's going on inside of schools. So because we're now working so hard on narrowing stereotypes, you know, and this comes from reality TV, from people thinking that if you're a female, you have to look like Kim Kardashian, where you can be female and look like anything. You know, that's the whole point. I grew up in the 80s where my parents told me I could be anything I wanted to be. And I spent most of my youth with short hair, smelling of chlorine, training with the boys (laughs) or up a tree. You know, and I would have been nowadays told that I was a boy. I was never a boy. I just liked to do kind of boyish things, which is absolutely fine. But we've lost that ability for people to be whatever they want to be inside of the actual sex that they are. We seem to have to box everybody and narrow our stereotypes, which to me seems to be incredibly regressive, not progressive. Well, I think you've just hit upon a key point, Sharon, uh, that 4,000% statistic, because I had Carabelle on the show uh, earlier mm-hmm. this week, uh, someone who J.K. Rowling has also praised as being an absolute hero of, of this movement to protect female rights. And, of course, she was one of those statistics, Sharon. She was told that because she was having these feelings, she must be a boy, and she went through the puberty blockers, she went through the double mastectomy, and actually, she was a lesbian woman. And she was a lesbian woman all alone with her hormones exploding. And the problem is, and the reason why it's very relevant to this story, Sharon, is all of that takes place during those teenage years where you're influenced by what's going on at school. Yes, absolutely. Puberty is a horrible time. You know, all of us have got stories about our horrible period of, of, in life, you know, where we were, we were pubescent and we were changing our bodies and for women having periods and all sorts of things that were just horrible, you know, and, and you're moody. I mean, it, it, you know, I've got a 15-year-old son and if I can get him to grunt at me three times a day, I'm doing really well. <laughs> Boys and girls have very, very different puberties. You know, he's, he's bursting with testosterone at the moment, which is affecting his skin and, and everything. Um, and I know that I was a nightmare when I was a teenager. I'm poor parents, you know, my more poor mum especially, because you're an emotional roller coaster as a girl in particular. And this is what puberty is. And if we stop our youngsters going through puberty and coming out the other side and we, we give them puberty blockers, which doesn't enable their brains to mature, I'm honestly not sure that we're helping them. Historically, gender dysphoria, 85% of the gender dysphoria, uh, people that show symptoms, grow out of it if they're just given verbal therapy. But nowadays with puberty blockers, that's not the case. And once you put young people on cross-sex hormones, particularly girls, when they're given testosterone, it's very difficult, um, you know, as, as with Kira, as Kira explained, you can't reverse that wholeheartedly. Um, with, with guys, if you put them on estrogen and then they come off it, testosterone is much a stronger hormone. That tends to take over again. But with girls, once you've given young girls a five o'clock shadow and, and a deeper voice and an Adam's apple, it's really hard to reverse that. And as you mentioned, you know, double mastectomies, I don't understand how anyone un, you know, under the age of 18 could even be considering these things because these drugs will, will create sterility. If you're not old enough to decide you can have a cigarette or a drink or get married or drive a car, how are you old enough to decide that you want to be sterile for the rest of your life? You know, these are questions that we need to be talking about at least. And closing down debate is the bad side of what has been going on. If there's nothing to hide, then there's no reason why we can't talk about it. 
The good news is in sport, I do think we are winning the battle. I think a lot of the governing bodies now are seeing exactly what we've been talking about was going to happen for the last three or four years. There was a young skateboarder that's just come out today and and started talking about losing prize money. You know, so it's affecting their livelihoods as well, which means that we actually have somewhere to go with the courts because this is sex discrimination if you're stopping people from earning their living as well as obviously, you know, winning medals. So I think we're beginning to see the sporting world wake up and I'm hoping very much in the next two or three weeks that swimming is going to come out and change the rules. Yeah, and you have been a huge part of that conversation when it comes to sport. So how do we do the same thing in schools now? Because clearly that is going to be one of the next battlegrounds in the rights for women. I think it's really important that the government, you know, um, withholds the, 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 you know, the laws that we have in place, which does protect freedom of speech, which does protect sex as a protected characteristic, um, and comes down on the schools to do their jobs properly. Um, and you know, th- this school needs to be investigated in the fact that they didn't stop bullying. You know, you can't have yeah. bullying one way. Bullying has got to be across everybody. You can't just turn around and say, because you're a minority, we're going to protect you. But if not the minority, well, anything can happen to you. You know, nobody should be bullied in any schools in our country. Couldn't agree more. And, and look, the first words from the Education Secretary Nadine Zahawi on this have been positive. But I think we're going to have to keep on this issue because how many other schools has this happened in? How many other girls have just kept quiet? How many teachers are too afraid to talk about this issue because they know the reaction they're going to get from certain sections of the student body. So, Sharon Davies, we will keep on this issue. Thank you so much for being here tonight. You're welcome. Always nice to see you. Thanks, Sharon. Welcome back. Now, my next guest went from being a pub quiz champion to the star of Britain's biggest game show, and it's safe to say he is a formidable beast. Matt's words, Mark Levette, has been striking fear into the hearts of contestants on ITV's The Chase since it started in 2009, becoming an overnight fan favourite with his savage comments and encyclopedic knowledge. Known as The Beast, the six-foot-six star's career reached new heights when the American and Australian versions of the show launched and he got catapulted onto the global stage, touring the world with his fellow chasers, Anne Hegarty who I love, and Sean Wallace. Well, with such a huge fan following, it's no surprise the Beast gets his fair share of attention from the beauties. And he recently hit the headlines for calling out the sexual harassment double standards in the industry. Uh, Mark revealed he has had to hire security to protect himself from unwanted groping and says if the roles were reversed between him and the fans, he would be in the cells. Well, I'm so pleased to say... Mark joins me now. And Mark, do you know what? This was actually such a shocking point because I do think there is a real double standard when it comes to male celebrities who just have to put up with these these little gropes uh, from the ladies. But I guess some people enjoy it, and that's maybe why. Well, it's, I mean, it was interesting, your last point about policing, etc. I come from a police family. My uncle, my father, grandfather, both great-grandfathers... And on one hand, I'm pretty sure what happened to me, their standard reply would have been, and we got enough on our plate on a Friday, (laughs) Saturday night. And I'm really lucky that what happens to me, there's no element of coercion, intimidation or fear. So I can just go, whatever. I'm sure you guys could do better. But at the same time, you can't help be thinking the alternative that... If you switch, you know, when when a lady tries to pull your face onto theirs, it gets, and you're going, 
hang on, if I did that to you, I'd be going in the cells. Yeah. Uh, my feeling is, if, I'm obviously a trained lawyer as well, is that law is the rule society sets down for the, uh, the public to abide by, but policing is those laws applied with a mesh of common sense and practicalities. Yeah, it's wrong what women do in that situation. At the same time, I wasn't harmed at all. And let's be fair, the police have more than enough to do on a Friday and Saturday night That's without something true. else to do. That is certainly true. But it did shock me that you say at every appearance Pretty you close. make, this happens. And it's, it's a variety of ages because people want a photo next to me. Your, your crew over here have all been taking photos. Me, me and they, too. And they've all behaved themselves. But <laughs> Glad to hear it. You know, I, I, I go student nights, nightclubs, uh, bingo yeah. halls. There's, and there's a bit of booze involved, maybe. That might be a common factor. So, you know, sometimes... Just got to take it. When I say I hired someone, it's my mate Dave Bill, who's very much the mutley to my Dick Dastardly. He's an ex-pub landlord, so he's far more experienced at dealing with people who've had a drink than I have. <laughs> so he's very handy for when he sees the uh, the uh, the little old lady who's coming around for the third time and is squeezing my ass again to just go, "You've done enough, love. Off you go." <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I guess it's quite fascinating. You probably never thought. Uh, that what began as a yeah. little quiz show and is now pretty much one of uh, the biggest phenomen- TV phenomenons in the world uh, on all of these different continents, that it would make you this unlikely sex symbol. Well, I've had colleagues of mine from Oxford days back in the 80s going, you want a BAFTA? <laughs> How? You're the least uh, sort of theatrical person we've ever met. And I went, it's true, but, yeah, we've, we've been lucky. We've gone around the world. I'd say right now we're the biggest quiz show on the planet in terms of number of territories we go into. And what's really nice is it's not necessarily the places that make the show. I know we're huge in Ireland. They'd love to be able to make it, but they don't pay uh, enough into their uh, TV licence. And your place, New Zealand. I'm reliably informed it's the number one show in New Zealand. Not number one, just number one show. We'd love to make a version in New Zealand. Uh, maybe they'll be able to work it out sometime that we film it in London or in Sydney. And let's face it, New Zealanders get everywhere. So you could whistle down <laughs> and go, quick, we need eight Kiwis to play on this show. And I'm pretty sure the hands will come up. Of course, the first time I ever lost to a solo player in Australia was a guy called Duncan. He's from Queensland, but he was a New Zealander by birth. So I kept saying afterwards, still haven't lost to an Australian. <laughs> which is one thing, which is one thing. Were you furious about that? Um, it's the sportsman in you. If you think they've won by playing well, good on you. Shake them by the hand and say you deserve it. If you think they've won because you've played badly, not so good. If you think they've won because, blimey, they picked the right set and sometimes you just get harder questioning the other person. I'm pretty evil about it. In his particular case, he knew that, was it Metallica had made an album called Master of Puppets and I didn't. So he absolutely deserved to win. So how much do you read? Depends whether my producers are listening to this. <laughs> they're not. If, if, they, are, if they are, it's 60, 70 hours a week. <laughs> if they're not, it's more like 10. But You just take it all in? Yeah, I've got what's called a sticky memory. So that ability to, as you're travelling, you see an advert for a new film or a yep. new book on the tube you, you put in. But here's the good news for me. Uh, what have I just been watching? The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. That's work. Yeah. 
Because everything yeah. you do, we've been told be specifically, shows on Netflix and Apple TV are fair game. So we got to. I may have spent a few hours watching Ted Lasso, and I was really enjoyed it. But you have. So the good news is, every like as well. Even well, simply now. Question: Dan Wooden is on which TV channel? It's a f- entertaining. You can't forget that. I, can, I managed to forget Paddy McGuinness, and I know him quite well. That was a real senior moment. But that's the nature. Entertainment so massive yeah. these days. People forget that 20, 30, 40 years ago, there were like three channels or four channels. It was so much easier to be an expert on TV. You know, and that's the reason we're doing better. Three million 20 years ago for viewing figures, you'd have been cancelled as that's rubbish. Now... The only two shows we're losing to are Corrie and Emmerdale. We're thumping EastEnders, and I can't believe I'm saying that because it just feels wrong. Now, The Beast is obviously uh, your moniker, and you're not anywhere near as beastly physically as you were because your your weight loss has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and my heaviest... In stone, right? It's a, uh, a slight exaggeration by my agent, but yeah, that's what agents do. <laughs> uh, to be fair, it was quite hard to get an accurate measurement. I, I managed to get one, and at the moment I'm a bit over seven stone down because uh, my heaviest I was 29 stone two, and now I'm about 21.10, so seven and a half stone. And how have you done it? Quite sure. Uh, the diabetes medicine obviously helps a bit. I eat a lot less, but drink a lot more fluids, and I think that helps fill the stomach up. Plus, while he's lovely, lovely chap, my now five-year-old, I was looking after him during the pandemic while my wife was uh, at the local hospital as an auxiliary, and I realised why you should have children in your 20s and 30s, not your <laughs> 50s. It was lovely, but I was exhausted. I was too tired to eat. So it wasn't because you had a health crisis, you just I've, decided you were going to gradually do it? It was not really planned, I shouldn't say it, but just, it was anything, hang on, these trousers are getting thinner. So it was, I, I just wasn't that hungry. And ironically, I, got, I think I got COVID in March 2020, and for about two weeks I barely ate. And it kind of helped kickstart it. So I'm probably like a lot of people, is quite heavy. When you feel your appetite's out, out the way, you go, actually, I'm not going to moan about this, just happy days. Well, look, you're looking very good. Thank it you. It's great to see you. Pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. That is the star of The Chase, Mark Levitt, a.k.a. The Beast. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. Listener.